0: Good morning, all. So here we are, the bucolic splendor of Compton, Kansas. This has been a very uh, busy month or so at my house, and uh, somehow we had not had uh, taken the time to sit down and have Bible study with the kids on a Saturday morning, which is kind of like... Those things that life revolves around at our house. So yesterday morning didn't have anything to do, didn't have anywhere to go. So I mean it was finally is noon by the time we all got there, but we're still in our pajamas. And felt great to just sit there and say, Here we are and then listen to the kids start reciting our address and, and phone numbers and everything. Like, Here we are in the bucolic spender of Ottawa, Kansas. Five one nine South Locust. So, before I moved there I thought locusts were bugs yeah. Yeah. apparently they're also a tree so didn't, didn't know that learn something new every day Jesus we thank you for your word for this, this place to, to gather in your presence with your people God to, to worship you and honor you and, and to praise you God to receive from you uh, those things that you have for us, and I just pray that in this place today, God, that you would do as only you can. God, that you would give us ears to hear, and that you would give us eyes to see. That the the things that you're doing um, in our lives, God would uh, be made apparent to us. God, that you'd give us clarity and wisdom, and that uh, that you would. Plant your word inside of us so that it could grow up and bear fruit in our lives. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Go with me to Psalm 15. talking to a uh, this property manager guy. that's kind of a new customer of ours on Friday. and called me and was like, hey, how are you, Ed? And he's like, oh, it's been a long, long week, but very short week all at the same time. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, I know exactly what you mean. I never had those weeks that go by really, really fast. And yeah. it's like, I, I, it feels like it should still be Tuesday, but it's Friday. And and you're you feel like you're on this little treadmill. That's kind of how my week went. So it was kind of nice having a Saturday with nothing to do. Like I was just telling somebody, it's like you know, I almost never sleep in past nine on a on a Saturday. That's like really sleeping late for me. I woke up yesterday. It was ten o'clock. It's like, Whoa. felt like I was swallowed in the covers and I couldn't get out. Uh so in um so here in Psalm fifteen um, in verse one he says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? So you know when David wrote this, you know, they didn't have the stone temple yet, uh, because Solomon's gonna build that. But David has brought the uh the ark to Jerusalem. And he's and he's he's put it there in in Zion. And the thing that's great about that is he's talking about this dwelling place. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, being in in this holy hill, and and so, and of course, Zion is is at the the top of this this hill. And um, when da- the Bible tells you that David took Jerusalem. And uh it says he dwelt in the fort yeah, which is is Zion that's what it means so he so he's saying, you know who who's going to abide, who's going to sojourn, who's going to live, who's going to stay in 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 this place where God is, because at this point, of course, um, God's not living in anybody's heart, he's meeting with with man at this uh at this uh, place at the tabernacle. And so he says, Who shall who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? So it's a protected place. And uh, and who doesn't know that's great. You know. Um, when I was a kid I had this unreasoning fear of someone breaking into our house. I mean you know, it's not like I lived in this nice gated community, you know, in in uh in like a nice you know affluent suburb or something i lived in this little cracker box house on the very edge of, of a little teeny tiny town and but somehow i was just terrified that that you know uh, of of all the little noises at night and things and just sure that somebody was going to break into our house and uh in fact, I remember. I still vividly remember being probably about Levi's age, and laying there in the dark, and I could hear my blood uh, like uh, circulating through my ears because, like, I was I was nervous because I thought I had heard something, and so it's like I could hear this in my ears, and it kind of had like this sound of somebody shuffling their feet on carpet, you know. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but. I'm laying there in the dark, it's all quiet. And it's like and it just sounds like there's someone shuffling up and down the hallway for like half an hour. And I just I just wanted to scream like, get it over with, oh my God. You know, and eventually I realized what it actually was and I was like, oh. And I went to sleep. But so, you know, living in a place where you feel safe, where you feel protected is, is a really good thing. And so that's where we want to be. And that's what he's saying here. It's like, who's going to abide in this tabernacle? He's going, going to live in that place where, where God dwells and dwell in his holy hill, in this place that's, that's protected uh, by him. Because, of course, the Bible says that, uh, uh, that the angel of the Lord uh, surrounds those that, that fear him and delivers them. <clears throat> so he asks this rhetorical question. And then and then he, he proceeds to answer. He says, He that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. <clears throat> so that's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, doing the right thing. Um, and I think sometimes the, the church has taken the, the, the grace of God and made it into something that it's not and and used it as an excuse to kinda of do whatever because, you know, after all, you know, I, he'll he can forgive me and he can fix it and all that and, and indeed he can. But he also knows your heart. And so he knows what your motivation is. And uh <clears throat> you know, it kinda of goes back to that idea of obeying the not just the letter of the law but the spirit. Because um because you can, you know, Paul said in, in Corinthians that you can do everything right, you can do everything religious, and and somehow still uh, it'd be to no avail uh, if your heart is not in the right place. Um, you know, when that song, How About Your Heart, was written, in fact, um, it was, you know, it was big. It was like this huge popular thing. And it's funny because if somebody wrote that song now, it's like, that would never make it on K-Love. Everybody would be like, gosh, I feel judged. And that's kind of picky, you know. And <laughs> Nick that works for me, he, uh, he showed me this video. of It's like one of those house hunters type shows, but it was like a spoof of it. And it was church hunters. And it's these people like going to these different churches and like talking about it. It's like, I didn't like that church. I felt all judged and stuff and at first, I didn't really realize it was a joke. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, "This is exactly what's wrong with the church, Nick." <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, I totally, yeah, I know, I, I hear you. That, that this is a joke." I was like, "Oh, okay, now I'm with you." Yeah, one of those kind of things that's like really funny and really not at the same time. Um, but but walking uprightly, then. It has to do with your actions, but it has to do with your heart. And so, um, and this is why David said that your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So he, when you have his word in you, then it's uh, it's going to come out because Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So if if you uh, fill up your heart with his word, fill up your mind with his word. Then what's going to come out is his word. What's going to it's going to dictate your actions, um, and sometimes in a way that uh, is going to require you to consciously choose it. Because there's times that you'll just kind of do the right thing through no fault of your own, and then there are those times when uh, you'd really like to do something uh, petty or mean or or just would be really clever and satisfying for about five minutes. And then, but then you understand that that would actually not be a good thing. And, uh, and so then we, uh, that's when we, uh, tie the old nag to a tree, as I've heard someone say once, and we, we tell our flesh, well, actually, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're going to do this right. We're going to behave ourselves. Um, so it's a great thing, you know, as we, uh, you know, as our children grow, we get the opportunity to have that input. And, and it's like, well, this is actually how you're going to behave in this situation. Because if you don't get that, and we have a whole generation of kids that aren't, then when you get older, you kind of have to learn it yourself the hard way. You know, like my my childhood, for example, I, I had this unreasoning fear of getting in trouble. And so aside from some of the things that I kind of did behind my parents back around the house that were not precisely against, or they were they were against the rules, but they were, harmless things as far as I wasn't hurting anybody else. and uh, uh, But I had very little input uh, from my parents uh, as to my behavior. And I uh, um, thought of myself as a generally good kid, you know. And as I look back, I think, man, if my kids act like that, they'd be eating their teeth, you know. But... Um, uh, <laughs> So, but um, you know the the inputs that we have as we grow, and not just as, as as children, but like as we come into the church and we grow, the input that we get from the ministry really uh, informs this this decision making process that we have, and it really helps us to um, to do this walking uprightly thing and the working righteousness. Doing these these right actions because it's not always the easy thing. It's not always the knee jerk reaction. The, I think the closer we draw to him, the more it becomes that. Because again, what what's inside comes out. You know, they, it's like the old equation. You know, garbage in, garbage out. You know, if you put if you put bad stuff in, then you're going to get bad stuff out, and that that's just how it works. And, and you can see that um, when you watch TV. You know, it's like you can see that when you, uh, when you look at at our society. Uh, I I was taking a walk on Monday uh, before work. I got up at five, kind of stumbled out the front door, went for a walk. You know, it's not even really light out yet, and I'm um, and on my way back. I'm like a block from my house, and I hear somebody start yelling, and, and I look over and. There's this kid, he's probably 13 or 14, real scrawny, mop top looking kid, with two older boys that are taller than him, and uh, and he's just like, just uh, I don't know, throwing, lobbing all kinds of you know profanity laden insults at me, and I was so taken aback. I was like, it's been like 25 years since somebody's talked to me like that, you know? It's like I, I'm an adult. <laughs> It's like, what the heck, you know? And I kind of wanted to ask this kid. It's like, you know, I, I wonder if you would be so bold if it was just you and me out here, you know? Because I, I kind of wanted to squish him like a bug. But, um, you know, it's like you also, you never know. It's like, you know, they might have something with which they could equalize this uh, altercation with. But, you know, I, I took the high road. And once once I realized that he was talking to me, I just that I didn't hear him and uh, because he was about a block away and and I, and I could tell the things that he was throwing at me he was definitely talking directly to me um, and uh <laughs> like okay, whatever, but you know it's like I thought, man, you know I was I was talking with Mike about it and uh, uh, and this this new guy Josh that we just hired, and they were both like, man somebody needs to talk to that kid because somebody. He's going to beat the ever-loving crap out of this kid. You know, because uh, someday he's going to say the wrong thing to the wrong person and they're not going to put up with it, you know. And uh, But, you know, so, you know, when you feed your mind on trash, then trash is what comes out, you know. And, and I'm sure that he's, this kid has probably gotten this input from his lifetime. I'm sure that he's probably gotten this input from his home. And so, um, you know, uh, once I kind of, you know, once I calmed the beast inside, I kind of realized, you know, it's like this kid's probably had like a really terrible life and I kind of felt sorry for him. But when we, you know, conversely, when we uh, uh, feed our mind on the word of God, And when that's what we're putting inside of us, then it really changes the way we act, changes the way we talk, changes the way we think. So he says here that that he that walks uprightly and that works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. And I like how he says speaks the truth in his heart. Because you can speak the truth with your mouth, maybe, but not your heart or you could say something that's not true with your mouth and what's written in your heart is what you're actually thinking and which is more likely I suppose. And uh you know it makes me think of David you know, in one of these other psalms he's talking about this sense of betrayal and he's like you know his words were smoother than butter but there was war in his heart. You know, and and you can feel that on people when they talk to you. You know, they can, uh, I mean, one of the most obvious examples I could think of from my own life and, and something that you'd have to be, you know, asleep to miss that the, that it, that's what was happening at the moment was um, lots of times when I was growing up, the, the popular kids would just sort of out of the blue start being all buddy-buddy with me, like overly friendly. You know, people who typically... Either ignored me or were like uh, actually hostile towards me, and um, I, I never was taken in by the fact of oh wow he wants to be my friend now. It's like how wonderful you know because honestly I went to school with a young guy that um, when he, he when he came to our school in junior high kind of took a lot of the, the fire off me because he was more fun for people to pick on apparently. But he really did kind of go along with it when people started doing that to him. And oddly enough, uh he was so friendly with them that it kind of threw him off. And uh eventually they kind of came to accept him in a weird sort of way. Um, so, but, you know, it's like they were smiling. And they were talking nice things to me, pat me on the back or whatever, you know. But it's like I knew that they had some kind of motive to what they were saying. I knew they had some kind of motive to what they were doing. Right. And, um, it was very kind of upsetting because it's like, you know, don't insult my intelligence. And it's like, I, I, I'm not that dumb. I know what you're doing. You know, but, but you can feel that on somebody when they, you know, it's like you look at them it's like, is, is he smiling at me or is he baring his teeth at me? You know, it's like you—you you kind of get the—you know—you can kind of get that sense from them, and uh, so so here he's talking about speaking the truth in his heart because you have to be honest with you. You know, the thing is, is um, uh, you know, I'm just like taking a trip down memory lane here. In high school, um, I went—I worked with this girl that was a Catholic and we'd somehow gotten into a discussion about the Lord here and there. And, and, uh, but she said some of the most awful things cause she seemed to take going to church pretty seriously. You know, you know, some sometimes Catholics can be pretty ardent about their, their beliefs. And yet they kind of do whatever they want to do the rest of the time, you know? Um, and I thought it was interesting because this guy Brian that works for us said that, you know, he grew up in the Catholic church and he thought it was a crock because you lived however you wanted all week long and then you apologized on Sunday and then you went right back to it. He's like, that's that's garbage. I was like, indeed it is. But but this girl, she says, well, or she said something just terrible. And I was like, well, I, I confronted her about it. I don't remember what I said to her precisely or even what she said. But her answer always really stuck with me because she was like, "Well, God only hears me if I'm talking to Him." I was like, "Oh, really? Like you are in for a rude awakening." <laughs> it's like, it's like actually, you know. And I just told her, I was "Like, well, actually, He hears what you're thinking." It's like, you know, even if you never say it, you can't hide what you're thinking from Him. She didn't believe me, but, um, you know, there's this uh, sense of um, of honesty that we have to have both with ourselves and with, with with God and with the people around us, where we really have to, um, you know, we want to come into that place of being transparent, you know, because you know we learn those things as we're growing up that are va- that are quite valuable, I think, where you don't say everything you're thinking, you know, because it's like, well, it's like, so how was dinner? Like you're, you're trying to put your teeth back in. It's like, well, it was a little overdone, but it was okay, you know. It's like, you're probably not going to say it. It's like, oh, it's glorious. It's wonderful. It's like, and, you know, I appreciate everything that you've done. Oh, this is so glorious. Marry me. and um, uh, But there's, you know, so so we learn not to say everything that we're thinking, and that's, that's wise. Um, but sometimes we... Um you know, I think we, we have a tendency to, to just not not say the things that we probably should say. Uh or uh or we're not honest about the things that we're that we're actually thinking or feeling. And uh um and I, I know I have certainly done that aplenty. And people can tell. You know? And you're just kinda of nodding along, like, yeah, uh huh, sure. And it's like they know that you're thinking this is such garbage. They, it's like you're lying to me, you know, and uh, and I suppose that is what it is. But this, you know, that's what I like about that song, How About Your Heart, because it deals with, you know, what if your heart was made of glass? You know, it's like what if people could see right through you, you know, the way God can see right through you? Um, and, you know, it's a really precious thing to, to come into that place of, of, of honesty before him. So in verse three, he says, uh, you know, he's also listing more of these qualifications of uh, the people who are going to abide in the tabernacle, and it says, "He that backbites not with his tongue, nor takes up evil against his neighbor, or does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor." Excuse me, Uh, backbiting is not really a word we use much anymore, Um, but I think it's a really interesting. Thing because now we would say it more like backstabbing, perhaps. Um, but I kind of like the idea of how it uses this word "biting" because you're, it's something that you're doing with your mouth. You know, it's like you're saying something slanderous about this person, and uh, um, uh, you know, and it's a and it's something that you know that we. Uh, we all know better than to do you know because it's you know it it's plain in the scriptures you know that that we're we're the body of Christ and so if we um you know when, when we backbite against someone when we stab somebody in the back when we say something slanderous against somebody especially if they're not there and we're talking to other people about it um it would be about like uh, just going in your kitchen and and getting a knife and just starting to saw on the back of your hand. Uh, nobody would ever do that. But but that's what we do in the church when we start talking about the things that are going on in other people uh, in a way that is is negative. I mean, we're family. We get that there are things going on and that we have issues to deal with. It kind of a lot of it depends on how are we dealing with it. It's like am I am I really genuinely wanting you know, prayer because I'm concerned about this issue and I want it to work out right for them? I want them to come into victory because after all I don't want to lose any fingers or toes? Or am I just talking about it, couching it in those terms because I really want to just see if I can get you revved up against that person or or because I'm just so upset that um I, I need to tear this person down, and uh, you know that's obviously something that we we cannot afford to do in the church and and so he says uh, he that backbites not with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor um, and uh, and and here it in the in the margin it says he that receives a reproach against his neighbor. So, you know, because because uh, so taking up is a good word, uh, you know, because it's like someone handing you a baton. It's like the it's like the here's I hate brother so and so baton, and I'm I'm running with it, and I'm I'm going to give it to you, and you can you know carry the flame as it were. And and it sounds so elementary when you put it in those terms, and you think about it like that, uh, but it's the kind of thing that goes on because, as Paul said, uh, if we, uh, you know, there's strife and envying among us, then we're carnal and, and we're walking as men and walking in the flesh. And then uh, and, and that kind of behavior has no, no place in the church. And so, uh, but this taking up the reproach then is like spreading it to someone else and now you've received it from them. You know, because if, you know, if somebody comes to you with the I hate brother so-and-so baton, then what you do then is you don't take it. Uh, and There's nothing quite like somebody trying to hand you something and you just don't take it from them. You just kind of stand there and you kind of look at them like, what, what are you trying to hand me? You know, um, You know, when you have children, sometimes they hand you the most disgusting things. <laughs> <laughs> all the mothers are chuckling you know it's, it's like oh thank you honey it's like i you know, like, you know they, they try and hand you a, a booger with no Kleenex you know it's like oh thank you like this is precious you know but it's like you, you wouldn't you know I mean obviously if that's your kid you would take it but you know because <laughs> that's how it works I mean, I, I would get Cynthia, but um, <laughs> or I would tell I would point them in the direction of the Kleenex box. It's over there. And uh, um, now, if I came up to you you know... <laughs> I was like, "Hey, here you go! Not a single person in here would take it. Not one. My mom wouldn't take it from me, probably, but you know, I mean, I'm an adult, so why would she? But, but you, you see what I'm saying? It's like if somebody hands you something really nasty, you're not going to take it. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, it's like it's like you know, you, you start to read a book or watch a movie that's just you realize about five minutes in, this is garbage, and it's like, well. I don't need to eat the whole thing to know what it tastes like, then I'm just, I'm, I'm done right here, you know, and, um, and that's a, a precious thing because then instead of taking up that reproach, then, you know, then what we want to do is kind of put up the wall there and be like, hey, now, it's like, um you know, actually, let me, you know, let me wash your feet here because, uh you know, first of all, here's a Kleenex. And now let's wash your hands because this is this is not okay behavior, you know. And, and it's that simple. Um, so, uh, and then he says, "In whose eyes a vile person is condemned? But he honors them that fear the Lord." Um, and uh, you know, this word "vile person" is um, it has it's the it's not really so much about a person per se. Uh, This word, um, because it's actually just one word in the Hebrew, but it's about this—you know, vile is a good word for it. This, this reproachful, nasty kind of thing. Um, And so, um, and so that, and that, so that goes back to uh, uh, the—you know—the hand me a booger illustration. It's like, you know, you would you would condemn that. You know, and, and not maybe so much condemn the person that's trying to hand it to you, but uh, condemning that behavior and saying, "Hey, you know, there's there's a better way to do, to do this. Let's let's come through this thing in a way that, uh, you know, that takes the enemy's plans and messes them up. Because after all, he's the problem here, not not brother so and so. You know, this is the problem. You know, we have an adversary, and what he wants to do is is get us fighting about the petty, parochial things, you know, and 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 here here's the tough thing too. Sometimes somebody does something to you that is really outlandish, you know, and you you find yourself thinking, I cannot believe that they just did that. And uh, but then that's when we have this decision to make. What am I going to do with that though? Because uh, uh, I know in my own experience, um, the more outlandish uh, an offense somebody brings against me, the the more it's like resurrection morning at my house, you know. I'm like, I am furious and I'm ready to, you know, tear them limb from limb uh, for a little bit. But, you know, I try and, you know, clamp the old mouth shut and and deal with it because the Bible says to be angry and sin not. So well, somebody can, you know, do something to you real or imagined. And, and you, you have this decision to make with it. Well, it's like, I could get mad. I could, um, I could forgive it and move on. Um, I could, uh, I could spread upsetness throughout the church and, and try and get other people upset with them and, and see if I can kind of make a team here. And so then it's like, I have my team and their team and, 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 uh, you know, if you were playing a, a a football game, for example, and you had your you've got your eleven guys on the field or whatever, but they they don't want to work together. If they're all kind of like, well, it's like actually, us linemen guys were just thinking that we would just let everybody come through and and destroy the quarterback because we don't like him. That team would, you know, the coach would not be happy for one thing, you know, and and he would ensure that they all suffered grievously at their next practice, you know. And um, so the sense of of being, you know, on a team. I know when, you know, when somebody hurts our feelings uh, or they they hurt someone that we love, we have this tendency to want to circle the wagons and and choose up sides. And it's like, well, this is my team. And uh, Have you ever seen that Looney Tunes thing where uh, – like Bugs Bunny versus Yosemite Sam and they've got like the two little forts on either side of the valley and it's like us and them and then he comes over here and he takes us over and it's like us and then he comes over here and it's like them and so it's like us, them, them, us, them and then it just keeps switching back and forth and uh um, it's a you know, you kind of have to you know, realize that we're all on the same team here and so um so what I like about this thus far, well, and I'll keep going because there's a little bit more here. Uh, he, so, uh, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honors them that fear the Lord. And so you know, I like that too because, you know, there's nothing like, like somebody wants to talk to you about something and you're immediately thinking, oh, no, what did I do? Well, at least that's what I do. And, uh, and then you find out that they actually want to talk to you about something positive. And and they're like, hey, you know, this this thing worked out really good, and I just wanted to tell you it was really a blessing or whatever. Um, and uh, it's like, oh, okay, good. You know, it's like uh, it's like when the prophets came to town. You know, when Samuel would come to town, they're like, comest thou peaceably? And you know, when he said peaceably, this the whole nobody heard the the rest of the sentence because everybody just went, oh, okay, good. Because you know, when when you when you fear God, then you you understand that, you know that that he uh uh you know that if he sends the prophet, then he if he has something not so peaceable to tell you that that if you if you hear it, then then you go back to the peaceable thing. So so he says the see so he honors him that fear the Lord. He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. You know, and and of course. uh you know jesus uh was wise to to tell us you know swear not at all you know uh because you don't want to get yourself in this place where you've i you've committed to doing this thing and you just can't you know you don't have the the ability to to follow through on this thing you don't want to get yourself in that place at the same time he you know he he does hear the things that we say and it's like it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing, you know. And, um, you know, here's kind of an example of, of a time that this happened in my life. Um, you know, I uh, was out there slinging pain all year long, just, you know, making an okay living at it. And um, every year at tax time, it was like I would be doing great if I got a few hundred bucks back. I was like, yes! You know, because... Uh, excuse me, I didn't have any kids, and, uh, you know, of course, you, if you have kids, you know how how much of a side relief that is come tax time, but um, uh, this one year, uh, and I don't remember even what got me into it, but I, I just, I told the Lord that um, uh, I was just going to turn my tax return over to him that year. I don't remember what made me even think to do that. Uh, but I'll be darned if that wasn't the biggest one I had ever gotten. And I really kind of needed it. I was like, man, that would really help me out a lot here with this stuff. And, but this is this verse is exactly what I thought of when I started thinking, well, maybe I could just hang on to a little bit of it. You know? And I thought, no, actually, as much as this hurts... <laughs> I I told God this was what I was going to do, and so I had better do it. Um, here in verse 5, he says, He that puts not out his money to usury, nor takes a reward against the innocent. You know, uh, and in the law, he clearly says that you you can loan your money out with interest to the outside people, the people who are not part of of Israel. But to your brother and your sister, no, not so much. It's like if you if you're gonna lend them something, then they should pay it back to you, and and that be that. Um, and you know, and what it makes me think of too is that idea of he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. So you know, there's there's because it's a blessing to just give somebody something without the idea of them paying it back to you. Um, there's, there's really kind of a liberty there because then you don't have this kinda of social contract expectation that they're gonna pay this thing back and and then you know you get into and it just becomes an issue, you know. Um, somebody loaned me some money once in the church, pretty fair amount of money, and um and they they brought that up to me. They're like, no, no, just pay back the amount that it was and I because I wanted to just tack a couple hundred dollars on the end. Um and and they were right, but I insisted. I was like, please, I really appreciate it. I just wanted to give you a little something, you know, it's not you're not taking it from me, I'm giving it to you. you know, so so but the sense of not doing doing this to the people in the body in, in the in Israel in this case is this sense of enriching yourself off of the people in the church, doing you know, getting some kind of reward or um you know, power over them. You know, and that's that's the thing I like about just giving somebody something versus expecting them to pay it back. Because then there's always this. Well, I really hope they pay it back. Because if they don't, I'm gonna to have to have this really uncomfortable conversation with them. And and then he, then he says, "Nor takes reward against the innocent." And and you know, to put this in a more modern term. It's like taking a bribe against the innocent. You know, and and that, to me, this goes back to that sense of choosing upsides and making a team. It's like, I'm going to reward you by being on my team. The spiritual one-upmanship of being on the us team. Um, All you have to do is is accept all the uh, aggrandizement that I will pass your way for agreeing with me that brother so-and-so is a turd, you know. And... um, And as ridiculous as that sounds, that's what happens. Um, And a lot of times they didn't do anything, you know. And that's what I like about this because it says it takes reward against the innocent. So, you know, uh, and we should see each other as innocent. uh, Because when we look at each other, we should see the righteousness of Christ. And so, uh, you know, because, you know, the thing I like about these is all of these. Just about all of this stuff here has to do with not so much right conduct towards God, but right conduct horizontally. You know, how do I deal with the people around me? And um, and and a lot of these things are they're not things that are necessarily all out in the open. These are usually things that happen in like small. Small conversations, you know, um, you know, on the phone, that kind of thing, uh, behind closed doors, or or what have you. And so, uh, and so, the, these things that he's talking about that uh, are qualifications to not uh, abide in his tabernacle or dwell in his holy hill are all about. Um, for lack of a better way to say it, like stepping on somebody else to to get another step higher yourself and and um, we all know better than to do that, but sometimes I think we need God to just remind us that, hey, you know this is the kind of behavior I expect because I know what's in your heart, and um, you know the the thing that I want is for you to love one another. You know, in fact, he made it a commandment, you know, to, to love one another. And uh, and I like that because, um, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have any siblings. It was very quiet at my house except for my dad and I shouting and cursing at each other. But, um <laughs> uh, so it's been an interesting experience for me having more than one kid, and I often think my dad would have killed us if, I, if there was more than just me but um when your kids don't get along is really upsetting you know, and uh, I don't know about you if you've got m- multiple children, but for me it's kind of makes me mad like kind of flare my nostrils a bit, like, are you seriously treating your brother that way? Are you seriously saying this to your sister? And um, if I had a dime for every time I said, why would you do that? Or why would you say that? I would be a wealthy, wealthy man. But I know that God feels that way. Because it's like, why? why would you say that to them? Why would you do that to them? Because... Uh, to to pull the Matthew 25 card when you do it to them you're doing it to me and so God is you know I, I like how he takes it back to a place like okay so maybe you don't like him fine that's too bad you need to love him but you don't have to like him and but let me let me put it to you this way then if you're not going to if you don't like him every time you see him then stick my face there you know and think, well, okay, what if it was jesus how you know would i would I treat him with the same dismissive thing and keep him on the outside and, and would i um, you know uh do these these things that would uh you know make other people see them in a bad light as well like <laughs> no you know and and uh, there's there's something great about the power of the obvious. Like you know, when you put something in such an obvious way that you know it it really helps you to see things clearly. But but what he says here is that you know it's like, and I like how he starts out saying who shall abide, you know, and in the margin says sojourn. So the thing that's interesting about that is that you can you can show up at the tabernacle, you can show up at Zion. He didn't say you couldn't, but he says who's going to Stay there. Who's going to dwell there? Who's uh, who's going to abide in that place with uh, with me and and with my people? And then he gives you all these qualifications. And you know, one of the greatest things here uh, to me is it doesn't say you know who shall abide in thy tabernacle, who shall dwell in thy holy hill. And he that spends eight hours a day in prayer and reads fifteen chapters a day. It doesn't say that anywhere. It, it says nothing about these priestly duty, devotion things. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't. I'm just saying that he doesn't make that a requirement here because when when he lives inside, when he's on board, then your fellowship with him is really unbroken. And, that's, and knowing that he's always there is not a substitute for, um, or is not a reason to not get away and pray. I'm not saying that at all. But to to understand that He's always there is is a is a precious thing, and uh, and to know that He's always listening. I mean, like this week, I, I slept through my prayer time every single morning uh, because it was just one of those weeks. And by the time bedtime came around, I passed out. But I understood that He was there, and there was lots of times throughout the week that I kind of did. Durf. Sitting at my desk or sitting in my car, and I was just like, Okay, God. I have no idea what to do with this. Or okay, I know you're on my team here. I know we're all on the same page here. I knew that when you I know when you gave me all this stuff to do, you knew how much time this was going to take up and and so on and so forth and, and so on. So I'm really glad that you you know, this was Bring God to Work Day, as every day is. And I'm really glad I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here until five o'clock on friday and um, uh, you know but that sense of you know abiding has the sense of how we deal with people and how we treat people and so uh that's a precious thing you know for God to remind us of those things, you know particularly on the heels of a of a service like last Sunday, you know because you know God can really. He can get in there and really, I mean, it kind of depends on how wide you throw open the door. How much he can just come in and just change something. Versus sometimes sometimes days like last Sunday are day one. It's like now we're going to start working on this thing. And so you're thinking, oh man, I just bought a house. This is so great. And then on Monday morning God shows up with his tool belt and and a, a big sledgehammer. And yeah, and you're thinking, Oh it's like, oh cool, are we gonna be crushing cans and take them to the recycle place? Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a big, big hole in your wall and and you're you know, but then it's like, okay, so I guess day one Week one, month one, we're going to tear some stuff down, and because after all, I, I I I told him on Sunday he could show up and fix stuff. So now he's fixing stuff. So now I guess I'm just going to have to grin and bear it. I'm glad he's fixing it. So you know, um, that's the great thing, you know, because anything that's that's really valuable like that is not doesn't always feel good not typically a fairy dust kind of experience um and so you know i thought it was really precious on sunday how ron was talking about um you know praying against discouragement because like i'm sure there were people who they they threw everything on the table and then had were had like a the week from hades you know and Because God is identifying things and bringing stuff up because like, hey, see this thing here? It's like, you've got some mold, so we'd probably better take this wall out and start over again there. And, uh, and that's not fun. It's actually quite discouraging. But, uh, but it's a precious thing because God reminds us, it's like, well, this is, you know, this is what you signed up for, right? With a big smile, and he's all happy. So, uh, it's a precious thing that God does. Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. Um, you know, this is a um, a serious word that you've given us, Lord God, um, and 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 we take it seriously. And God, we do indeed pray that you would um, do these things in all of us, God. That these things would be cleared out in all of us. Lord God, you have made it plain that that there is no room for uh, ill treatment of anyone. That there's no room for teams and cliques and 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 uh, we're better than them type of things in in your church, God. We we all came to the tabernacle the same way. We all got down and, uh, and crawled underneath the curtain. And God, what we pray is that uh, you would plant these things in us, God, and that you would continue the, this work that you're doing in us, God. If you're uh, if you're demolishing things in our life, God, uh, to to begin to rebuild, God, we, the the things that are uh, that cannot stand up to the test, we don't want them anyway. So, God, what we pray is that you would just do in us those things that you're doing, God. You, you would purify our lives uh, and make us into exactly what you want us to be. God, we pray it in your name. God, we we want to be those people who abide in your tabernacle, who dwell in your holy hill in that protected place in the fort. And that's what we want. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.